At a young age, Brett Miller already has a rich and diverse history and story. He started racing go-karts as a kid and then went into amateur racing and was already at the semi-pro level as a teenager. He was on a trajectory to professional racing when God changed his story significantly. We'll talk about that more in this interview. He was a firefighter in the Army Reserves, worked construction, and somewhere along the way picked up a guitar. He now is an incredible worship leader, songwriter, has picked up surfing, and is on staff with our team here at Jesus Culture San Diego. Brett is a friend and a significant part of our team here in San Diego. He's a dreamer, pioneer, poet, and someone who is relentless in fighting for the promise of God for his own life, his family, and others. He has had his own set of challenges to overcome. He grew up without his dad as a kid because of divorce, struggled to find his purpose, and like any man, struggled to settle into his place as a son. His story is a reminder that God is even more passionate about our purpose and dreams than we are. I cannot wait for you to hear my conversation with my friend, Brett Miller. To overcome means to defeat or prevail over, to succeed in dealing with a problem or difficulty, to overpower, conquer, vanquish, and triumph over opposition. We are all overcomers. In season three of Man Camp, we are sharing the stories of men who faced trials head on, overcame, and came out on the other side strengthened by the journey. Join us as the hope found in these stories move us to action, to risk, find courage, step out again, and embrace our call as overcomers. Join the camp. This final episode of season three of Man Camp has been brought to you by our partners at World Vision. It's been amazing for us to partner with an organization who for over the last 70 years has been helping build a better future for the world's most vulnerable and their communities. We've seen firsthand a kid and their community's lives be transformed by the work that World Vision and we get to be a part of doing and partnering with them. So we wanna say thank you so much to our partners at World Vision. You can find out more and sponsor a child by texting the words Man Camp to 56170. Thank you, World Vision, for partnering with us and thank you for being a part of changing kids' lives. Well, welcome to the Man Camp Podcast. I am so excited to have my friend and actually co-worker, Brett Lee Miller. Yeah, That's your oh, middle thank name. You. That's what I call him all the Thanks time. Thanks for throwing the whole thing in there. As yep. you heard, Brett is an amazing worship leader. He's a part of our JC San Diego team. We are in the midst of planning a church here in San Diego. And so uh, it's it's been an adventure. It's been a journey. Yeah. And uh, Brett, it's so good to have you here, man. Yeah, I'm really, really honored. Thanks, Zach. So some fun facts about Brett. You heard uh, some stats about him in the intro, but uh, we both share uh, an aspiration, a journey for surfing. Yeah, let's go. Um, Brett's let's go. edge. He's putting in more work than me right now, so he's got the edge. But That's right. I got a lot of heart. I'm going to come hey, back. We, we have fun. We have fun. And this is a fun fact too. Brett and I are both from Chico, California. Yep. Um, ironically, um, I'm older than Brett. We didn't really know each other. Uh, no. But we're here. We are. So yeah, I'm pretty sure when I was in kids' church, they shuttled us to a worship like set or two of yours. But I just remember like someone with long hair. I, I yeah. think you have I, a past. I have no hair okay. now. For okay. Those yeah. Of you yeah. That, can't, this is audio for good Pretty reason. Pretty sure I saw you. Pretty sure I and saw you back in the day. A fun fact is I used to lead worship and let's go led at kids church. So, but let's <laughs> move on. 
Um, so as you guys know, the theme for season three of Man Camp Podcast has been overcoming. And we've heard some incredible stories so far. And Brett, as we have been uh, walking together and even getting to know each other more, I just got to hear, Brett, more of your story. And I just, we were we were actually sitting at breakfast where there's a group of guys we meet every Friday morning doing this thing. We, we talk about this on this podcast all the time. Don't do your journey alone. Yeah. Don't isolate. Yeah. So there's a group of us that we just, we meet every week and we're just walking through life together. And yeah. one of those mornings you were sharing part of your story that I'd never heard before. Yeah. And I was like, man, I you need to be on the podcast for this episode because <laughs> this theme of overcoming the stuff that you have walked through, even to be where you're at here now, yeah, is amazing. And so I, I was like, hey, will you jump on? And graciously, you said yes, absolutely. And so yeah. I want to dive right into this, um, yep. your your story and your journey. And I want to start um, with you. You actually, I think you were born in Southern California area. Yeah, yeah, I was born in Torrance. Actually, I've, I don't think I've ever been back to my birthplace. Okay. But I was born somewhere in Southern California, Torrance, wherever that is. Right, yeah. right. And so, so tell me about you know, obviously, it started in your family where there was some, yeah. Some um, some hardship there with your yeah. parents. Yeah. So I mean, to put it simply, like I was born pretty much right into divorce. So um, you know, my my parents got married really really young. Um, I think my grandpa actually had to like sign a waiver for my mom to get married. She was oh, underage, wow. and uh, so you know they got married and um, and push came to shove. They got pregnant really early with me. And, um, you know, they had some dreams and aspirations in Southern California. And um, so they kind of came down here and then I was born. And then um, uh, fairly early, it was like a, I was like a year or two old when um, my parents got divorced. And then my mom, um, she ended up taking me to Chico, California. Um, so Chico, California, honestly, that's home for me. Like I call Chico my hometown. Yeah. And uh, so we went there because my grandparents were there. And uh, so, yeah, yeah, we basically, it, it was a pretty hard cut from from my dad and from that side of the family. I would have kind of one-off visitations every once in a while when I was a kid. But, um, but, but you pretty the, much grew up without a, yep. a father in your life. Yeah. My grandfather was my father figure. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And so very quickly, um, one of the fun facts, <laughs> yeah. you, you people that know you as a worship leader probably wouldn't have guessed that yep. you used to be a really good uh, race Thank car you. driver. Thank you. Yes. On your way to do big things. So tell yeah. us about that part of your story. Yeah. So, you know, I think a lot of my life, um, honestly, I look at it almost in two separate chapters and the racing chapter actually feels like it wasn't even real at this point because, wow. um, it was just such a transition. But, um, yeah, when we moved to Chico, um, my mom's side of the family, uh, they're, they're kind of like, they're they're amazing. Like they believe in Jesus. They, um, my great grandmother from that side of the family is like just a saint. Like she's uh, her prayers have probably opened the door to where I am today. But um, my more immediate family in Chico, they were uh, just kind of you know blue collar, which I love. But it was kind of just a one lane track. It was my grandfather was into racing um, back in the day, and uh, he owned a construction company. And you know it was kind of just that that mode of like, you know, um, working with your hands is the only option, you know? And, um, and I actually learned so much in that season. I'm so grateful. Like it taught me how to be a hard worker. It taught me how to take ownership and, um, build things. Like I use those skills today. Yeah. So fairly early on, I was probably like six years old and my grandfather, I have a very vivid memory of this. My grandfather was like, Hey, I, I want to take you somewhere. 
And we went out to the outskirts of Chico and I was like, what is happening right now? We're like in the farm, farmland fields. And we were up to this place called Cycle Land Speedway. Yes, I, don't know if you remember I totally where that know where that is. is. Yep. That's crazy. So um, we go to this place called Cycle Land and he sits me down and I see these kids getting in these like pretty fast go-karts. And um, at the end of the night, I'm just like, you know, I'm basically just so filled with adrenaline at like even the thought of doing anything like that. And he's like, you want to do that? And I was like, I mean, yeah, absolutely. And so he- um, <laughs> Which kid? What kid? You know what I mean? Yeah. And so uh, he pulled some strings and got me in a cart. And then um, I kind of just took to it really fast. And so that was like my entrance into racing. And uh, it was like a go-kart? It was a go-kart. That's yeah. And, and so my, the first time I actually started racing was when I was seven. And, um, you know, I, I just kind of started working up the ranks. And so I, I went from like, you know, a little go-kart that had like a lawnmower engine on it up to like a, a pro stock, which is kind of the same, but they changed the fuel so it goes faster. Then I got up into 125, which is like a dirt bike engine in a go-kart, and then up to 500cc. And then um, actually when I was 15 and a half, I got into a sprint car, which is, you know, 800 to 900 horsepower. And um, ended up winning a race, setting a record for in California for being the youngest main event winner. And then from there, it just kind of snowballed. And so a lot of my life was just kind of a blur of, um, you know, races, traveling. Um, that, that became yeah, your life. That became my life. And, and with that too, like, you know, just the racing culture. I know there's great things that happen there, but there's also a ton of like, you know, alcohol and just, I, I basically from a very, very young age was, was uh, presented with an option to kind of um, just do some things that were not healthy. And so I kind of slipped into the party scene of racing around 16 or 17 and, um, you were yeah. like, you had sponsors. I had and sponsors. Coors Light was the last sponsor I walked away from. So we were, that, we were, you were telling the dream this, was made. Yeah. You were telling some story, like you're sponsored by Coors, you're not even 21. Yep. So you're holding like at the end of a race. They holding. made, they made a special, um, like, like, uh, like water bottle thing that had to do with our racing team. So that way I could like represent the brand in victory lane without like thinking yeah. that yeah, I'm drinking a beer, you know, underage. Yeah. And so, so yeah, <laughs> it was just, you know, I, I didn't know any other way, but in that season, you know, I, uh, I met a guy at uh, Chico State and he started pursuing me. He was like the first guy actually to ever ask me out to coffee. And I, I thought that was weird. I thought it was weird that, because you know, I've been immersed in kind of like, it's a little rough and tumble culture of racing. And this guy comes out of nowhere. He's like, hey, uh, you want to go out to coffee? And, it, and my immediate thought was like, this is bizarre. Like, this doesn't make, this is weird. But I said yes for whatever reason. And um, I sit down with this guy and he starts talking to me about Jesus. And then he extends this invitation to disciple me. And I had only read that word in scripture. I didn't know what that meant, but I said yes. And um, that became the beginning of a beautiful identity crisis where the Lord started like stealing my heart. So you knew, you. I mean, you grew up, you went to church, you yep. knew about this, but you weren't, you didn't yep. know Jesus. No, it, it was more of like, you know, the the formality of going to church. And, uh, and even then it was kind of when the racing season would kick on, most Sunday mornings were taking care of the race car rather than going to church. And so, you know, the racetrack was kind of my church and we talked about God and, you know, we talked about Jesus and stuff um, as a family, you know, once in a while. 
and and once again, my family's incredible. Uh, but but yeah, it was just we were we were hooked into this lifestyle, and there was promise ahead of it. So we all just felt like we were kind of following the future. And um, I wanted to do it for a while. I wanted to do it for a living. I wanted to do NASCAR. I wanted to do all of that stuff. You were and, on you were on the track to like, yeah. go in that direction. And yeah. And yeah. it, what would you say it was your identity? It sounds like it's your. Yeah. It wasn't just your identity; it was your family's identity. Yes, for you and for yep. like the extended family. Absolutely, and it just made sense. Like it made sense to all of us because, you know, you identify, you know, in the world. I think it's very common. Like if if you feel like you're, um, you know, fairly good or even like especially good at something and it presents this rare window into possible success. I mean, my family, they just wanted what was best for me. And I was, I was so stoked about it because it had fame, it had fortune, it had um, endless possibilities of like worldly success. Mm. And so they didn't know that's why I wanted to do it, but they just saw me hunger for something and they're like, cool, we're going to get behind this. That's cool. And then the dream started kind of snowballing, but you know, it all started taking a turn when the more I looked at Jesus, the more he started taking me away, like taking my heart and my mind away from the car. And that's when things started to get really interesting. Yeah. Well, at the same time yep. too, I mean, uh, you know, your dad's not in your life. Yep. And so uh, from what I remember you telling me, like you're really discovering Jesus yeah. in yep. the midst of this, you know, fast track to racing. Yeah. And also you're discovering stuff about your dad or yes. pieces that you didn't really know yeah. about who even another whole part of your family, yeah. history, legacy, like, yeah. how, like tell us about yeah. that. So when I was around like 15 and a half or 16, so this is about the time I was getting into more bigger cars. I just woke up with this weird and random burden to start playing guitar. And that's the only way I can say, the only way I can describe it. And not, it wasn't only to play guitar. It was more like I, I woke up with a burden to write songs and I needed to learn guitar so I could do that. Wow. So I told my mom, like, mom, I, I need a guitar. Like I just, I thought it was just a spike of like a desire to do a hobby. But she um, went to Toys R Us and got this like nine volt battery electric guitar. And uh, with that guitar, I learned the basics fully on my own. And I started writing and recording songs on my laptop. And it felt like such a weird, you know, a weird thing, like to express myself in that way within the, the racing culture. I almost had to create a, a dual lifestyle. Yeah. But the, the love of music started overwhelming me. Like wow. when the racing season would end, I would start bands and I would start um, playing these songs that that I was writing and we'd, we'd go around town and um, and then racing would start. So I'd give it up and it was this weird back and forth thing, but there's this weird gravity in music that I couldn't describe. And then you fast forward. So I, I'd started bands and recorded and was finding the Lord. All this stuff was happening in, in a, a span of a few years. But um, my last year racing, I, I, I kind of woke up one day and I just felt the Lord tell me to reach out to my dad, my my biological dad. Mm -hmm. And so I had to find his email through a couple connections. Because he wasn't in your life. Yeah, he wasn't in my life. How many and, years had it been since you saw him? Oh my gosh. Um, so I was around nine years old when we went to court and I basically said that I didn't want to like do any more of those visitations. And this was, uh, I was 
20 years old when I wrote this email to him. So, so 11 years. So yeah, yeah. Like we had grazed shoulders. Like I had seen him and stuff because we lived in the same area. But um, no conversation, no contact, nothing. Wow. And I just woke up feeling like I need to know my dad. And so um, reached out to him and he was so, so excited. And so we got breakfast. Long story short, um, he invited me to a family reunion. And I so I hopped on a plane, went to Minnesota. And, you know, my family started talking about, um, hey, so the concert, the concert, the concert's coming up. And I'm like, what is this concert? Wow. And so um, we go to this church in the middle of Monaga, Minnesota. I bet nobody knows where that is. I've never heard of it. And um, beautiful little breezy, like lakeside town. And um, I walk into this church and the entire town, the entire town of Monaga shows up to watch a concert put on by my bloodline, my family. There was this weird moment of like realizing the power of uh, destiny. Like it, uh. I, I'd never had it visualized like this before. And they invited me up by saying uh, 10,000 reasons with my family backing me. Wow. And, um, so you were a worship leader by then already? Yeah, yeah. I was I, at this point. I was in a real identity crisis. So I was crazy. I was stuck in between all of these weird dynamics of falling madly in love with God and like tasting my destiny, but not knowing how to let go of the safety and the security and the like worldly purpose that was in racing and in all these other things. And um, so that was smack in the middle of basically the Lord trying to really get my attention. And, you know, the thing that he just kept saying to me over and over in that time was like, are, are you ready to follow me yet? Like, are you ready to give me everything? And um, yeah, it took a couple of really hard moments. Like one of the breakaway from racing moments for me came on the back of losing a friend to a racing accident. Oh, wow. And um, once again, I got out of the car and he, he was just like, hey, if, if that were you, like, would you have lived for what I, what I have for you? And my honest answer was like, maybe part of it, but not the whole thing. And he's like, I want the whole thing, you know? And so I turned my, my helmet in and gave up. I, I quit racing shortly after that. Wow. And um, it was very hard. I had, you know, hate mail coming in from fans. I had... Um, my, my my family, I love them dearly, but they were so confused because I'm giving up this promising future for like an acoustic guitar and nothing. Mm. And so- um, It wasn't like you had this other option, like a yeah. recording yeah. record Just, deal or something. Exactly. Yeah. There there wasn't this like, there. it's like there was promise and this like clear road to success. And then honestly, in a lot of like people who weren't intimately close to like the spiritual aspect of that transition, they all thought I was like trying to be a rock star. Uh, and um, and so it was just so confusing. But I knew like the more I learned to practice the presence, the more I learned like the Father's voice, I, I just got to a point where I could not, I couldn't live counter to it anymore. And um, like I, I got a hold of a, a Jesus Culture CD at that time and Let It Rain came on and I was just like, just overwhelmed by the presence of God. And I was like, I can't figure out what's going on right now, but wow. there's another level of following Jesus and watching his kingdom come and seeing revival that um, you know, that I didn't know existed. And once I got a taste of that, I was like, I'm, I'm undone. Like this, is, this has to be my life. And wow. um, so yeah, just 
left it all behind uh, reluctantly. It was very hard. Then became began like the next chapter of my life, which was just um, again expansion of trust, surrender. It was not like you turn the page, boom, you're in this easy season. It was actually really hard. I I, I went through different seasons of different jobs. Um, started trying to find jobs that had purpose in them. So I was doing like some emergency medical stuff. And weren't I, you a firefighter too? Yeah. So I was seasonal for for uh, Cal Fire. And um, you're an old soul, man. You, yeah. Thank you. You're like Thanks. this guy, right? But dude, it, construction, racing. Yeah. And if you guys, if you have never seen me, you wouldn't <laughs> guess any of these things to be true. But here's the honest truth. The way that I simply describe it is. My entire life was one like one massive ad- adrenaline rush, right? Mm. From seven years old to like 20, 21. And so when God started calling me out, I stepped out. And in my almost like immaturity, I I was like, okay, so while I'm doing music, I have to make a living because there's no clear road to make money. So I would do all these like really intense jobs that did have purpose. Mm. I would I would do fire. I would do um, – there's just a, a season there where um, – where I was like, okay, it has it has the rush that I need, yet it's also helping people. Wow. But then was a further unraveling of the Lord being like, Hey, I've got I've got another way for you. He like, you know, he did things in that season that was so cool. But it was kind of this misguided shot of like, yeah. okay, I'm not racing anymore. So I have to change people's lives. And I I even though I shot so hard, I once again kind of missed the target. Uh-huh. And then it was after that season where the Lord's like, like Hey, are you are you really gonna trust me? Because at that point it was about finances. I was just like, I I have to work like a really really solid nine to five, or I'm I'm being disobedient. Yeah. And um, and the Lord is like, hey, I'm kind of calling you out here. And so then after that, I stepped into ministry, and I, I haven't looked back since. Well, we're going to take just a quick break from this interview with Brett to just tell you again about what our amazing partners at World Vision are doing to not only change individual kids' lives, but to change whole communities and beyond that, to change nations. So uh, World Vision, as you know, is doing an incredible work to flip the script and what child sponsorship looks like. And they've created this amazing new model called Chosen, where actually kids get to pick you as you sponsor or make yourself available to sponsor a child. And I've mentioned this before in other podcasts, our family got to be a part of this this journey. Uh, We are sponsoring a child named Jerome in Rwanda. And uh, we've seen firsthand not only what our small contribution does to impact someone's life, but also we got to experience and, and see how Jerome chose us. And so I want to encourage you. This is our, our last episode for uh, season three of Man Camp. It's been an amazing journey. Our, as you know, our theme has been overcoming. And I can't think of a better partner and a better way for us even to uh, emphasize this theme, not just as an idea or in the stories that you hear, but to step out and practically do that by helping a child, their community, overcome poverty, hardship, um, abuse through just a simple act of sponsoring a child. So I want to encourage you to text the words "man camp" to five six one seven zero to sponsor a child today, and you can get more information when you do that. So thank you so much, World Vision, and thank you guys for partnering with us to change people's lives. We're going to jump back into our interview with Brett Miller now. 
this this thing of overcoming a lot of it is based around identity but obviously relationship yep with your father with you know with god with family and this journey of trust which is sure. powerful and you know i think any guy that's listening like identity is a big deal for us to know like we can all do things we have gifts and yeah being successful like there's nothing wrong with that no, but the question is not. what is what is our identity like who has god created i think it's so crazy that this music piece of you that you had no idea yep was yep. there obviously i that's how i know you as a sure. as a musician a worship leader a songwriter sure but like Yep. So crazy that that's like in your family. Yeah. And that, like you talked about this destiny thing. And yes. really, I think as we talk about overcoming, I think there's not a person listening that doesn't want to walk in their destiny and have purpose yeah. and be alive yes. and do what, you know, whatever we were created to do. Yep. And God knows that. And that, yep. that's the beautiful thing about your story. And it do, it is scary. It requires faith. Sure. It requires trust like you did. It requires stepping out and many ways going against what would be yeah. the grain and yes. that may look different for all of us. Yep. But like where you are now, I mean, it doesn't stop this journey for no. us, this this journey of trust, this journey of faith, but you know, together we're walking in this thing oh, where yeah. we all moved to San Diego, we're we're starting a church. And you know, there's this journey whether it's marriage or kids or hard things we face. Yeah. There's constantly things we have to overcome. So what would you say to the the guys that are listening and who knows what they're facing? Who knows yeah. what's in front of them? Or even the the questions or things they're dealing with. What would you say have been, has been encouragement, perspective, sure. fuel to face sure. uncertainty, to overcome, uh, and sure. find that identity, passion, purpose that I in knowing you, like you know, by no means is it, is is life easy or yeah. perfect or yeah. without hardship. Yeah, but there is a a confidence that I, yeah. yeah there is there's a destiny and a hope and, and yeah. that's that's something we all want yes yeah well i think you know we we had a i won't unpack this too much but we we had a wild journey with uh children yeah. so we we have a five and a half year old and then we have a four month year old and in between those we lost two so we had a miscarriage and yeah. then we had a stillbirth right after that so there was a point where i'm you know, in, when we're in ministry, we're like going after promise. We're um, beautiful things are happening, but there was a moment where I we just felt like literally like death was just walking into our front door. Wow! And um, and we thought we were we were losing everything, like our dreams. It it was all just crumbling apart. And the Lord, I went I went on a walk. That's what I do. Like when I when I'm falling apart, I go find a field and I walk with my dad and he's always there. And by my dad, I mean, Jesus, uh, and my real dad too, we go on walks, but, um, but no, there was just, uh, this profound moment that I had with him where, um, there's this scripture in Isaiah 40. It's become like a life verse for me, but it says, if you listen, there's a voice in the wilderness of one shouting, like raise the valleys, lower the mountains, make straight a highway for the glory of the Lord to wow. be revealed. And I, I read that and started crying and I was like, God, why am I crying? And he said, um, because that's your voice and this is your wilderness. Like wow. if you listen, there's a voice in the wilderness. And what it did was it it shifted, it, it gave me, it dropped this new paradigm in my life where I realized that there's darkness here there's sin, there's evil, there's death. There's a bunch of stuff here that's horrible. 
But rather than putting on a perspective and identity of a victim, what happened if I actually realized that this is a wilderness that God has placed in front of me to mm. shout, raise the valleys here, lower mm. the mountains here, make straight a highway for the glory of God to be revealed. Wow. For us, it was miscarriage and losing babies for yeah. a season. But once I realized that, you can almost feel like it offended the enemy because everything that he meant to to hinder us and to crush our spirits and to kill our dreams, I flipped the script and I said, no, like if you're going to present me with the wilderness, that means that God has put beauty here somewhere. And mm. rather than dying and going home and giving up, yeah. I'm going to go head first, find the gold, and then I'm going to tell the world about it. Yeah. So that's what I would say is that what's happening right now, if you're feeling broken, if you're experiencing loss, if you're feeling um, like there's no purpose in your life, flip the script on the enemy and, and look at that wilderness uh, with courage and bravery and wait in knowing that there is beauty there. Yeah. And this is your opportunity to be that voice in the wilderness. So good. Yeah. Jesus became so real to you. You said yes, I mean, many, many times and, and stepped out. Yeah. In those moments of loss and being in a wilderness, did you yeah. did you ever feel like God, like, what are you doing? Like, oh I, you yeah, know, oh I, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm following you, and then this is where I'm at. Like, oh yeah, how did you deal with that? I mean, I, I love what you just said. Yeah, but in those moments, you you also it sounds like you learned how to wrestle yep. or or come yep. not run away from God yep. but come to Him in the midst of it. Dude, it's it, I think it's really simple. I think I had to realize that that God didn't just want the put together Christianese version of mm -hmm. Brett. Like he wanted the mess. He wanted the reality. He wanted, yeah, the Brett that stands on the mountaintop, but he wanted the Brett that's in the valley just as much. Yeah. And so um, there were, honestly, the one thing that I can ping on in, in a lot of those seasons of loss that would happen regularly is I would end up like literally yelling to the father and just wow. being like, and there were even some things that I said in that moment that I don't even want to repeat here, but I'm just like, the big question that I kept asking is why, 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 why? Yeah. And the question that I think he was leading me into asking was like, what, like, what are you doing? Like, show me what you're doing. But mm -hmm. I just was stuck in the why cycle. Like, why is there death? Why am I losing? Why, 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 why? The crazy thing is, is he held me through all of that. Wow. He pursued me through all of that. He loved me through all of that. But right on the the other side of those explosive moment, moments, when I finally gave him my humanity, yeah. is when he would bring the breakthrough. And yeah, so, wow. so I I don't want to paint a picture that I was like this, you know, this golden knight, just like losing kids and being like, "Yay, God! Like this is great." Yeah. No, I was an absolute destroyed mess, but. The difference is rather than taking that mess and stuffing it in a closet, yeah. I I completely flat out gave it to Jesus. Wow. I never said yes to more worship events than I did in that season. Everyone that came in the door, I said yes. Not, not because I wanted to burn myself out, but because I knew that I needed to be in the presence of God wow. with my mess, with my questions, with my chaos. And um and there, there's something that happened in that season that marked me forever. Yeah. I think there's something that's so powerful when we're honest and real with God. I think there's, for whatever reason, uh, many of our interactions with God, we, you know, we like we would yell at a person or yeah. like they were angry or upset with. Yep. But there's this thing like we feel like we can't be 
real with God. And 100%. I, I know my own life and it sounds like what you're describing is like, there's something powerful because it's intimacy. It's, it's, yeah. it's real relationship. Like the, if you think about it, yep. the people that were most, that were closest to, whether it's your spouse or a best friend. Yes. Like you've, you've been through stuff and that's what yep. you still choose to walk together. You, you choose to forgive. Yep. And, but knowing that God in the midst of our questions, our anger, even at him, our, yeah. our confusion and, and having that freedom to be yeah. honest with God. Yeah, man. I think is so powerful yep. because many people, I mean, I, I had been there before, like we just live this sterile and it's fake and it's not real. It's yep. religion. Yep. And God's like, no, I want relationship. Yes. I mean, Jesus himself yes. on the cross, he is God. And when yep. he yelled, he yelled out, Father, Father, why, why have, you have you forsaken me? me? Yep. And I think we see this model that, you know, um, there's a verse that says, in your anger, do not sin. Yeah. So ang- anger in, a, in and of itself is not sin. It's yep. what we do out of that place of anger. So I think good. being so real with God, I mean, it could so be a good. song. I mean, I, I've had those moments myself, you know, in, in my car, just like, God, what is going on? And just yep. having to be like, I am, I, I don't trust you. I, I don't know what you're doing. Yeah. And so honest with him. Yep. But not running away from him, running to him with my confusion, oh, yeah. my anger, my frustration, my pain, and then letting him respond. Hmm. I think we feel like I, I think our yeah. God. Many people have made like the God that they're following is a fragile, weak yeah. God, and that is not Let's the go. God of Let's the go. Bible. Let's go. That's not the God that I know. Yes. But the only way you're going to encounter that is in the midst of. Yep. The mess. I love, I mean, yep. you, I've heard, you know, you're, you've written songs and yeah. there's things that are so beautiful that have, I have come out of that season. Oh yeah. But yep. this is the truth. This is the gospel. Yes. This is who Jesus is. This is it. I love it. Yeah, this is it, man. And, and I think, you know, when we remove or hide our humanity from Jesus, it strips humanity from him. It, it actually strips our ability to view him as a human Jesus. Like he wants so badly to wade into the mud with us. Mm. And um, I think so much of my identity actually has been carved through standing on the cusp of what would be in a worldly sense, my greatest loss. It's yeah. actually turned into my greatest victory. Yeah, And um, it's it's been a crazy, crazy journey. But, um, you know, in, in every step of the process, like I found new sides of a faithful father yeah. and, um, and now we're living in a promise and, uh, yeah, it doesn't mean hardship isn't going to come, Yeah, but how much more equipped are we now? You know? And I think too, this thing of overcoming, which we, this is who we are. This is our destiny. Our God is a God who has overcome. Yes. And we are overcomers. I mean, scripture says we are overcomers because of Christ Jesus. Yep. But here's the thing. Like, I, I think there's this truth that like overcoming doesn't look like everything is perfect and easy and yeah. it, it, it there's a battle there's a fight but in the yes. midst of it there is victory and I, I love um I think it's Psalms 40 you know the the U2 song uh, I think it's they just called it 40 it's I will sing sing a new yeah, song yeah, it yeah, says yeah. you lifted me out of the pit, the miry clay yes you set my feet on a rock you gave me a place to stand you put a new song in my mouth yeah man him a praise to our God many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in God. Yeah. But that progression is, you know, it, it starts in, in Psalms 40. Um, it, it starts in verse one, it says, I waited patiently for the Lord. 
He turned on her my cry, and then he lifted me yes. out of the pit. Yep. And the end result is many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Yeah. I love that U2 song because they, so you know, they just, U2's awesome. Of course. But this is this picture. Part of overcoming is recognizing like some of you guys that are listening, and I've, I've been there, Brett, you've been there. There are seasons or there are moments where we are in a pit. Yeah, man. <laughs> of, you know, very, very real, like literally or, yep. you know, figuratively, emotionally, spiritually, yep. depression, uh, finances, whatever it is. And the good news is, is the God who overcomes and calls us and makes us overcomers is the God who yeah. hears us. He lifts us out of a pit so that people will see, many will see, many will fear, many will put their hope in God. Yeah. And um, I just think that's powerful, you know? It's so powerful. And it, it totally... It just completely flips the script. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, once we approach hardship and and find the beauty in the valley, it it almost sets up this this new reality from there on moving forward that when I want to get to the point where I'm like a hundred years old and in all gray, that the second I see hardship, yeah, it's an immediate trigger of God's gonna do something. Yeah. Like I I, I wanna get old and gray one day and be able to skip that anxiety process and just be like, where's the father, you know? And I'm not saying I'm there yet, but I am learning to look at pain and hardship as an opportunity for God to do the impossible rather than being a victim. So good. Can you do this? Can you pray over the guys that are listening? Yep. I just, uh, my prayer, I mean, before every one of these episodes, my prayer, you know, we pray over each, each podcast episode, just that Whoever it is that's listening will be filled yeah. with perspective, yeah. hope, strength, courage to overcome. Yeah. And here's the good news is we we don't always <laughs> have that in and of yep. ourselves. Yep. Mean, God sometimes shows us, hey, there's more in there. You can do it. Yeah. And other times he just gives us grace. Yeah. And he says, yeah, you don't, but I can stand with yes. you. But can you just pray over the guys? Whatever they're going through, I just know that each one of these Stories, your story, that this this message of overcoming is yeah. is relevant now more than ever. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, um, Father. I just thank you so much for for everyone that that is taking the time to listen to this podcast. But I ask right now, whether they're in their car or their their bedroom or their workplace or they're on a jog, like whatever they're doing, I just ask for an immediate awareness of your presence in their lives, God. And I ask right now that, that you would begin opening our eyes, our minds, and our hearts to a completely new level of thinking and understanding and perceiving your faithfulness. And I just declare right now that your goodness is not on a sliding scale that seasonally shifts mm. from partially faithful to fully faithful. Yeah. I declare your manifest favor. I declare your constant faithfulness. I thank you that you are such a good dad. Above it all, you're just such a good dad. You you don't need to go to father school. You've been doing this for a long time. So what I do ask is for a new perception and awareness in us to see the beauty that you put in the wilderness in front of us and uh, to be able to become courageous overcomers and men after your own heart that can stake a claim in the barren land and and, uh, watch it fill with water. So we just praise you. And I thank you for the stories of breakthrough that are on the other side of these speakers. God, I thank you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Brett, thank you so much for just sharing some of your story. And man, it's just so encouraging to hear 
how God comes in. He he calls us into our destiny and then yep. he he walks with us in the midst of whatever it is, pain, hardship, and all that. Yeah. So so good. Yeah. Appreciate Thanks, you, man. man. I, it's an honor to be your friend and run with you in this journey. So all right, you guys, this is the last episode of season three of Man Camp. And I just want to remind you, don't forget to text Man Camp, the word Man Camp, uh, to 56170 to sponsor a child with our partners at World Vision. You can step into a life-changing relationship by allowing a child to choose you as their sponsor. And then as a result, build a better future for the world's most vulnerable and their communities. It has been an amazing journey as we've gone through this season. Uh, of, of Man Camp season three, talking about and hearing the stories of what it looks like to overcome. Uh, it's my prayer, it's our prayer for you that God would fill your life with faith, with hope and perspective and the truth that your identity is an overcomer. We've got some great stuff we're working on for season four of a Man Camp. We're already starting interviews, lining things up. So don't worry, we'll be back. This is just the end of season three. Stay tuned and look for season four of the Man Camp podcast. We're so honored to be on this journey with you. You have what it takes. Go after it, live fully alive, and influence other people as you do that. Thanks for listening and being part of the Man Camp community. Thanks for listening to the Man Camp podcast. Follow us on Instagram or Twitter at mancamp underscore podcast. If you have questions from this episode or previous episodes, send them to mancamp at jesusculture.com. Finally, if you've been impacted by Mancamp, please leave a review for us on iTunes and help us get the word out. Thanks for listening to Mancamp. We'll see you next time.